are all very welcome to the service. God bless you. And to those who are worshiping with us online, you are very welcome to today's service. We want to thank God for your lives, and uh, we want to believe God that um, great and mighty things await us all today in the name of Jesus. We are finishing the fourth part of our series on eternal life now today. It has been a very, very big roller coaster whirlwind tour of examining the mystery of eternal life today. And I want to believe God that God has been speaking to us as we started with living by the resurrection power, walking by faith with Jesus. Last week we looked at working with Jesus. And today, by God's privilege, we will be looking at the mystery of Christ's return. In my typical fashion, I will want to encourage you to please take down notes, take down a lot of scriptures. You see, why I always say this is because we try to put in 45 minutes to one hour a lot of things. Uh, these things, two, uh, two decades ago, we used to study them over three, the, the kind of message I want to give you this morning, we used to have like a whole week, <laughs> a whole week of seminar to just look at the mystery of Christ's return. And we'll go on Monday, Tuesday, till the next Sunday. <laughs> That's how we learned it about 20 years ago. But of course, times have changed and we are in a very sophisticated world. But you see, at that time also, we didn't have the privilege of the internet. We didn't have the privilege of recording messages so easily. So um, we only could rely on the notes we took. But now we have avenues whereby we document this. So I want to encourage you, whilst we may go through a lot of things very quickly, and we may be needing you to write down a lot of things, please go back through the notes that you've written. Take the message itself. It's going to be on YouTube, and it's also on podcasts. You can listen to them, jot down the scriptures, then you yourself go into some of the scriptures that we only mentioned and did not talk about. Go and read it in context. This is how you grow. This is how you know the things of God. This will help us in these times. And so I want to encourage us today that as we look at the mystery of Christ's return, let's be reminded that this is all about eternal life. When the, when the life kids were here, you heard from the young lady, Hebzeba, when she quoted again from John chapter 17, verse 3. I like it when our children are quoting the very verses that we are using to underpin these studies. And I want to keep encouraging parents, please work with your children. Work with your children. When you see some of us preach today, some of the verses we are using for you that sound so heavily, we learned it in Sunday school. <laughs> and they never left us. We only started to grow and understand more about it. So please, work with your children. She read for us in her memory verse, John chapter 17, verse 3. And it says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only through God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. There is no complication about it. This is eternal life. These are the very words of Jesus. This is eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So once you know Jesus, you accept him as Lord and Savior, you have eternal life. We're told that in John 3, 16, obviously. So we have said that the ultimate goal of eternal life that he gives to us now when we become born again is that we live by the resurrection power. We tap into everything he has provided for us as the inheritance of the saints here on earth. But then we walk with him in discipleship. Then we work with him as ambassadors and as workers for him. But all that must culminate into the fact that we are expecting him to return. 
You see, if the object of your Christianity is not about meeting the Lord or expecting him to return, you may find that from time to time it becomes a drudgery. From time to time you get easily discouraged. One of the reasons why we are not discouraged at the work we do, if you are a salary earner, is that you know that at the end of the month, something will come through. So if somebody is talking things to you to make you annoyed by the 10th of the month, you carry on because you know that by the 30th of the month, your salary is coming anyway. You are encouraged. You are incentivized. As Christians, we must be motivated and incentivized by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ the second time. The first time he came, he came to us as a servant and as one who was the lamb that was slain. But after his resurrection, he has gone and he has promised us that he's going to prepare a place for us as we see in John chapter 14 from verse 1. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That is eternal life. Then verse 2. He said, in my father's house are many mansions and... Uh, if it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. Please tell your neighbor for me. He has gone to prepare a place for you. Look forward to that. Look forward to it. If I'm going on a, on a trip and... Uh, I'm going to be lodged, especially those trips that is other people that paid for it, you know, like some organization or some. Those ones are better. <laughs> Somehow, there's a feeling with those ones compared to the ones you paid for yourself. <laughs> so when they send me the pack and they tell me the hotel I'm going to stay and the flights and all the things they booked, I used to like it. And I go into the virtual room of the hotel. You know, these days you can enter any hotel in the world with their virtual rooms. And I go around the lobby, see everywhere, and say, wow, this is a lovely place. And I start to imagine myself there already, even if the trip is a month's time. <laughs> this is what we must do with the Bible every day. When you read John 14, 2, you need to take yourself into your mansion and walk around heaven from time to time. Walk around heaven and see the glorious things. He said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, he said, if I go to and I prepare a place for you, I will come again. I myself have gone to prepare the place, but I myself will not send any angel. I will come again and receive you to myself. And that where I am, what will happen? There you may be also. This is the sum total of everything we are waiting for. If a Christian does not know John chapter 14 verse 3, among the many other scriptures where this is promised, you will find that your Christianity will be one of difficulties and challenges and confusion from time to time. But the Lord who is bringing this word your way will cause you to have your mind fixed on those mansions that have been prepared for you in Jesus' name. So the key thing here is that he has advised us that we should be prepared at all times. In our Bible reading earlier today, Pastor Lola led us on in Matthew chapter 25 from verse 1 to 13. And I just want to quickly read from verse, from verse 6. He said, and at midnight the cry was heard. We know this is the story of the five, the ten virgins. Five were wise, the Bible says, and five were foolish. 
But at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Verse 7 says, Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps. All of them, the ten of them arose and trimmed their lamps. Verse 8. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. <laughs> you will not be foolish. I say we will not be foolish. They said, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. So they know the importance of oil. They know that oil is important to keep the lamp burning, but they did not put in the proactive work that makes the lamps to keep burning before the oil finishes. They said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil. But look at that, verse 9. The wise answered and said, no, least there should not be enough for us. You go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Like we went ahead of time to buy for ourselves. I'm paraphrasing. The Bible says buy the truth and sell it not. This is the age where, this is the time where you need to be going out to buy for yourself. This is the time you need to be going out to buy oil for yourself. I've told you every time you see the word oil in the Bible, it talks about anointing. It talks about particularly the Holy Spirit. This is the time where you need to keep yourself revived and keep your relationship with the Holy Spirit strong and sound consistently. Grieving him not. Because every time you do that, you buy oil and the word, the Bible says the word of God is a lamp unto your feet and is a light unto our path. So every time you see the word lamp, always remember it is the word of God. The word you are hearing needs the spirit to brood over for creativity, for energy, for unction. The Bible says you have an anointing, 1 John 2.20, from the Holy One, and you know all things. He said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So if you don't have the unction of the Holy Spirit, you will know the letter which kills. But the Spirit that gives life, that makes you stand in this wicked time, that makes you know how not to believe everything you read on the internet, or hear from every preacher that you hear, the anointing that gives you understanding comes on you afresh. A few days ago, I wrote something on my wall. I started seeing this thing. Whatever God cannot do does not exist. Whatever God cannot do does not exist. And it was sounding reasonable. And I started seeing that many people were sharing it and quoting it and sharing it. Now, I know that the people who wrote it were intending to say there is nothing impossible with God. For with God, nothing shall be possible. But I just asked myself, why didn't they just say so? What is so complicated? Why don't you just write? For with God, nothing should be impossible. Because we are trying to impress. We are trying to generate something new that is not true. <laughs> How can you say what God cannot do does not exist? Then you contradict the very scripture. So if you have it on your wall, God have mercy on you. You contradict the scripture because the Bible says God cannot lie. God is not the author of confusion. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means God cannot change. Don't you see change in this world? Doesn't change happen? Excuse me, church. Doesn't change happen in this world? Doesn't change exist? Were you, were you age 10 this time last year? Uh -huh. Change happens, but God does not change. So change exists. 
Change exists, but God cannot change. So we must know how to balance scripture. Something just rose on my inside. I said, no, we need to correct this. Because, it, yeah, it may not matter that who listens to it that I've written, but my conscience is clear. When we get to heaven, I will say to God, I saw that kind of thing and I kept quiet. <laughs> because it's misleading people. Let us understand this, friends. God wants us to know the scriptures for ourselves by the Holy Spirit to grow in the things of God. The Bible says, go and buy. Go and buy. Afterward, the other virgins, verse 11, came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. I do not know you. Jesus himself said, in the last days, many people will come to him and say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We did all these miracles in your name. He said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know you not. We must understand that this is not a game here. Christianity is not a game. It's not, it's not a show. It's not entertainment. This is life. This is eternal life. It is a life of principles. It is a life of sacrifice. It is a life of focus. It is not just anything we are stumbling into. He said, but he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Verse 13. Let's read verse 13 together. Everybody, wherever you are, online and in the hall. Let's go together. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And that is why, again, I don't sit down listening to anybody who is trying to calculate it and make prophecies out of it. Those of you that like all those eschatological preachers that will tell you that the year 2000, this and that, uh, listen to me. D just remember this. Put it back up. Put it back up. 25. <laughs> Put it back up. Thank you. 25, 13. He said, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And don't try to know it. Just prepare for it. Why are you trying to know what God said you will never know? He said only his father has it in his hands. As God as he is. The son of God as he is. Sometimes I always feel that, ah, but I'm sure he's telling you now. <laughs> but you see, he told us that only the father, only the father. So we must not try to calculate it. These are the things that give us the stability and the focus that we need for this time. Paul said that there will be signs to watch out for. Paul had a son called Timothy in terms of ministry son called Timothy who was somebody he brought up and taught the things of scripture very well. Because Paul saw the potential in Timothy apart from his being Jewish and Greek together, he also saw that Timothy was a, somebody who was brought up from a lineage of grandparents and parents, that is his mother and his grandmother, who were very devout Christians and Timothy himself was showing the sign. So Paul invested so much, probably more than any individual on the earth. Paul invested into Timothy virtually all his life, all his knowledge about ministry. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he said to Timothy, he said, but you know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. That these are the things you need to look out for. In these last days, verse 2, he said, for men will be lovers of themselves. Do we not see that today? He said they will be lovers of money. I don't need to ask you about that one. He said they, they will be this, they will be what? Boasters. They will be proud. They will be blasphemous. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. I've never seen a generation that feels everything is a, is a right. Everything is a right. 
you 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 can almost find it you find it almost impossible now to correct a person who is on the wrong because they will almost take you back to the fact that it is their right even to do the wrong thing what a generation we have become proud boasters blasphemers they can open their mouth and say anything against god open their mouth and write anything against men of god open their mouth and say anything against leaders and politicians that God has put in authority. I'm not supporting politicians and leaders who do the wrong things. But we must understand that there is something about God and the people he puts in power and authority. Saul was looking for David's life day and night to kill him. He wanted to kill him, not that he was planning to. He himself went out to look for him to kill. David came to the place where he had the opportunity when Saul was sleeping to kill David. David said, I will not do this against the Lord's word anointed because i did not make him king god made him king even though he's misbehaving and he's after my life so i will cut a bit of his clothes to show him so that because if i tell him tomorrow that i was so close saul is very arrogant he will say never it didn't happen he will even say he was not sleeping <laughs> all that one is not in the bible it's my own <laughs> but the reality is this but this is very probable the reality is that he said this is the clothes then saul saw it he said ah i am the sinner we must understand this. Every one of us has a responsibility to keep opening the scriptures to understand that we must know the signs of the end times. Verse 3 says they will be unloving, unforgiving, unforgiving. And some of these traits sadly are even creeping into the members of the body of Christ. Many people find it more difficult to forgive now. Many people just hold on to hurt and bitterness. So you see hurt Christians going about hurting other Christians Instead of getting forgiveness or giving forgiveness wherever they were before, they leave that circle and go and inflict it again in another place to another, another group of believers who were getting things right. They go there with their own forgiveness. We must not live like that because it's the spirit of the end time. He said they will be, they will be without self-control. They will just want to do what they like. They will be brutal. They will be despisers of good. Everything we are seeing in this list is happening around us today, which tells us only one thing. We are in the end times. Verse 4 says, they will be traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They make the loving of God secondary. They choose when they want to love God and when they don't. Service is optional. They will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, let's read verse 5 together. This is the very important one that he said we should be very careful. Very, very careful. He said, these people will be what? Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. He said, be very careful for such people. They're usually very churchy. They're usually very religious. There's a form of godliness about them. They carry the cloak of godliness. When they walk into a hall, you say, brother. <laughs> or sister. Because everything about their demeanor and their steps, they have steps that are holy looking. <laughs> I've seen all kinds of things. When they walk with their Bible under their shoulder, under their armpit, and they come into a place and they praise the Lord, you say, wow. Assistant God has arrived. <laughs> Deputy God is here, definitely. Sent straight from heaven. He said, they just have a form. There is nothing under that carcass. That picture you are looking at is a form of godliness. What is the power is talking? The power is not just about the power to heal and to do this. Some of them even manifest that. 
Believe me, some of them even manifest those traits, like Simon the Sorcerer, a form of godliness, doing magic. So many people who are attracted to those things are missing the point. But the power he's talking about is the transformational power from within. You can still see the pride. You can still see the arrogance. You can still see that within these ones, there is no remorseful uh, repentance that is genuine. That is the power they're denying. The transformation of the mind. Romans chapter 12 says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can see that their mind is still heavy. It's still full of bitterness. Even though when they pray, a room can shake. That is a form. He said, from such people, be very careful. These are the end time things. So, we need to know these signs because if we want to be people who are waiting for the coming, second coming of Christ, we must be very sure that we are observing these signs for one purpose. One, to keep reminding ourselves that we are in the end time. And then two, making sure that none of these end time spirits catch up with us. They are spirits sent out to deceive many, the Bible says. So every one of us must know that the second coming is part of a four-stage process, and I'll quickly go through them today. A four-stage process that we need to understand. Number one stage is the church age. Somebody say the church age. Say the church age. The second process is the rapture. Say the rapture. Then the third process is the great tribulation. Say the great tribulation. And then ultimately the fourth stage is the second coming of Christ. Now, as I said, I wouldn't have enough time to go through the details of this. But this is something believers must understand. There's a lot that is happening in our days today and many people are saying that, yes, we know we're in the last day, but many people are attributing many activities going on, like the vaccine and those things that are going on at this time to these events. And I want to show you how these things going on now has nothing to do with these events that the Bible has talked about. When you see the tribulation that the Bible is talking about, it's not the one you are driving about like this. <laughs> and drinking coke. And, <laughs> and you say, ha, we are in tribulation. <laughs> you have no idea what it is. That is not the tribulation. I will tell you what that kind of tribulation is very shortly. But if you want to get the picture very well, there's a message we preached here about four or five years ago. It is called the East Gate. When we were doing the series on the gates of Jerusalem. Go and search it on our YouTube page. It will help you. It's about an hour long, but I went into a lot of details about the timeline of the second coming there. I will touch on some of the things today, but not to that detail because of time and other things I need to say today. The title of the message is simply The East Gate. If you go to LiveGate Outreach TV or you search on our podcasts, they're there, I believe. Hallelujah. So the church age, this is the age we are in now. This is the age of grace. This is where it is still very possible for us to pray. We have been saved by grace. We still pray by grace and we continue to live by grace. It is a beautiful time. This is a golden opportunity for us. This started after Christ resurrected. Remember Matthew 16, Jesus Christ spoke about the word church for the first time when he said to Peter in verse 18, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then he said, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So number one is Jesus is the one who first talked about the church. Number two, the church is his own. The church is his own. So every one of us must let that settle for us. So we're in that age, when he was living, after establishing that church, when he was living, he said to them, you are going to now multiply in this church 
But it is the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you will now be able to be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem and outside. Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. So it opened up to a non-geographical uh, people and audience. His word, his message opened up to the world after he left. And the church now became something that was not just concentrated in Jerusalem and the suburbs, but everywhere in the world. So in Acts chapter 1, in verse 9, the Bible says, Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up. A cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Let's read verse 11 together. Verse 11. Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. Somebody say again. This same Jesus. One more time. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Hallelujah. The Bible says while he was speaking with them, they saw him go and then suddenly the clouds hid him. And the Bible says that is the same way. This same Jesus. This same Jesus, not another one. This same Jesus, the same way you will see in the clouds again. He will be coming back. He will be coming back in glory. Hallelujah. As Christians, we must live with this hope and long for his return. Paul said to Timothy also in 2 Timothy 4 verse 8. He said, finally there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4 8. That's it. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but what? To all who have loved his appearing. In this church age, this is our work. The church has left her work and has gone into business, has gone into other things that are unimportant, inconsequential things. We have gone into entertainment. We have gone into those things. In the name of wanting to reach the lost, there's nothing wrong with going into every sphere of this world. You know, we, we preach that in this church. We believe in that. Going into every sphere, every possible physical sphere of influence and being a light there. We believe in that. But the church is not about just doing those things. It is about carrying the message of Christ's salvation to those sectors and also telling the world to prepare for his return. And every one of us should be walking towards this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, our righteous judge, will give to everyone who also loved his appearing. So this is the work of the church. I will come back to the church age before we close, by God's grace, but I want to quickly go on to the rapture. The rapture is the ascension of the church, the event that will mark the end of this phase of our eternal life journey. It is the ascension of the church to Jesus so as to escape the coming tribulation, which is the third stage. The church will ascend. Paul captured it very well to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. He said, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those things. 1 Thessalonians, sorry, 1 Thessalonians 4. Can I have that up, please? 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. I'll read it. He said, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, Concerning those who have fallen asleep. Least you sorrow as others who have lost hope. For if we believe. Thank you. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. This is why believers must be very careful when we talk about those who have gone ahead of us. For believers, death is life. Death is a transition to a higher order of life. Whilst we lose loved ones and we have the discomfort of missing their physical presence, we must be comforted that it's just for a short time. It's just for a short time. We will be reunited, all of us. The Bible says if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, he will bring with him those who sleep with in Jesus. So every one of us must continue to have that hope. Verse 15. He said, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain with him, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. This is Paul's thinking of him still being alive when Jesus appears again. But then let's read verse 16. He said, for the Lord himself, this is what the rapture is all about. For the Lord, sorry, I'm skipping my scriptures now. First Thessalonians 4 from verse 16 now. First Thessalonians 4, 16. Can I have that, please? Okay, I'll read it. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. And with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. Hallelujah. Verse 17 says, And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord where? In the air. Remember, as they saw him going in the air, so they will see him come back in the air. But when he comes back in the air, that is not the second coming. That is the rapture of the saints. He will come into the air, not reach the earth. He will come into the air, and every one of us, alive or dead at that time, will be caught up. As long as we have named the name of the Lord, we will be caught up in the air with him. Hallelujah. The Bible says we shall be together with those who have died in Christ, who rose first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Many events are going to follow that point, but we will be with him. We will no longer leave him anymore. He will be, we will join him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. For seven years, we will just be feasting with him, enjoying rest with him. And I tell you, if you know how you should get your mind thinking of the marriage supper of the Lamb every day of your life, it encourages you to see the very minute things of this earth that may want to prevent you from experiencing such with the Lord. Now, the Bible says, for those seven years, there will be great tribulation. But for those of us who are with him, it will be great tribulation on the earth for people. But for those of us who are with him, we will be with him, feasting and waiting for him to come with us at his glorious second coming, to come physically to the earth. Hallelujah. So that will be the rapture. The Bible says in verse 18 that we should comfort one another with these words. This is the work of the church now. Every Sunday, every time we meet, we must be reminding ourselves, he's coming back again. He's coming back again. There is something that you must be looking forward to about his coming. Don't give up the fight. Don't give up the race. He's coming back again. All these things have a way of helping you to live in heaven before you get to heaven. It has a way from helping you to have a mindset that is not earthly. 
It helps you to see those things that are above and not below, like the Bible says in Colossians 3 verse 1. It helps you to leave those things that people, people who want to pull trouble with you will find it very difficult because you have, you have no trouble to offer them. It helps you to see why you should not live in lust and fornication and adultery because you find that falling for those things are just a waste of your time and a trap of the enemy to prevent you from going for, with, the, with the Lord Jesus at rapture for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We must keep comforting one another with these things. We are living in a very brutal world today where people are ready to sell themselves, sell their brothers, sell their fathers. In my home country today, almost everywhere you go, now every, every news you open up is one kidnap or one brutal killing of another person. Life means nothing again in such places. And there are many countries like that in the world where it's just, it doesn't just matter anymore. People do things anyhow with impunity. I had a dream early this morning. There's something that happens to me these days. It's very funny. I will sleep for 15 minutes and I would dream as if I've been sleeping for five hours. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> and I had a dream today and I was somewhere and uh, there was a man, they were piling a heap, a heap of, it looked like somebody from the very northern part of my country. And they were piling a heap of many logs of wood on him. And I was about to say to them, this man can't carry all that, he's going to die. He's going to die. And then they said, no, he can carry it. And they kept on putting things. And as he took the first two steps, like that, to just continue moving, he fell down, hit his head on some kind of a pavement that was there, and all the wood fell on him, and he died on the spot. And they started to bury him. No, nothing. They just started to pour sand on him. And they said, that is another person dead. And, and I woke up from that. He said, that is the rate that the enemy is snatching people all over the world today. He said, we must understand that the one that we are contesting against means business. This time last year, people were dying sadly like flies in this country. On a daily basis, thousands of people were dying in the same advanced developed country. What are you telling me? Are you telling me that that's not the end of the sign of time? Are you telling me that the wicked one doesn't know that he has a short time indeed? He is claiming lives on a daily basis. This eternal life that you now have must not be wasted. You must develop it and you must commit yourself to making sure that whoever can hear you is listening to you that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Hallelujah. In that seven years that we will have the marriage supper of the Lamb on earth here will be the great tribulation. The great tribulation will be split into three parts. First three and a half years of just making sure that everyone who does not accept the, the, the rulership of the Antichrist will be subjected to a lot of punishment and making many just the intention the first three and a half years I'll read you can read from Matthew 24 verse 9 to 13 I'll skip that for now and um, I, will exp I will also encourage you please read Revelations chapter 6 to ch Revelations chapter 19 there is a lot in that place which of course we cannot touch now for the first three and a half years, Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24, verse 9 to 13. Matthew 24 tells us a lot of things about the end time that Jesus spoke about. Some of it were the pre-rapture of the church, but a lot of it are the post-rapture event. And we need to read it with understanding to know. The Bible says in that time, in that tribulation time, in the great tribulation time, then they will deliver you up, talking about those who are still believers and are left behind after the rapture. So they will deliver them up to tribulation and kill them and they will be hated by all nations for his sake. Now we can say some of that is happening already and it is true. 
But this is not a global phenomenon as it were now. We have martyrdom that has been happening even from the days of Stephen. We have always had martyrdom and it's still happening today. That is not what Jesus is talking about. So that we don't get Matthew 24, 9 thinking that the few things we see here and there is it. This will be a global phenomenon where there will be a mass movement against anyone who is still calling himself or herself a Christian? They will deliver them up for tribulation and be killing them. And they will be hated by all nations because everyone will be saying, you put us in this mess. Because the truth will come out that it is those who have truly been naming the name of the Lord that have left. And then there is a lot of terror that is happening. Look at verse 10. He said, and then many will be offended and betray one another. The so-called Christians, many of them will betray one another. They will tell the Antichrist soldiers and those who are seeking to kill Christians about other Christians. And they will, they will force them to go and look for them. They will betray one another and they will hate one another. He said, then many false prophets will arise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, this is why we need to know verse 11, verse, verse 12, sorry, verse 12. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now we know that there is a lawlessness that is abounding now, but now we are still in the age of grace. The Bible says grace is still abounding much more. In the time of the tribulation, there will be no grace. Lawlessness will actually abound. And the love of many will grow cold. Many people at that point will hate God. They will hate the things of God because they are under a lot of torture. But look at verse 13. The last lifeline that will be given to those who are still on this earth then is still there. He said, but read it with me. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. I wanted to say hallelujah, but honestly, I don't like reading such scripture because I don't want you to wait for that time. <laughs> but hallelujah all the same. Because God loves mankind. I spend my energy knowing about what to teach people to go with the rapture than all the complications of eschatology of what happens after the rapture because I don't want to be there and I don't want you to be there. But for the sake of explaining to others and for the sake of having the knowledge, we need to know what is happening. The Bible says, even at that time, he who endures to the end shall be saved. But then there will be the mid-tribulation where the Antichrist actually goes. Daniel talks about this in Daniel chapter 9 verse 23. And we're not going to read this. Revelations 13, 13 to 14 as well. Talks about the Antichrist setting up his throne in the temple in Jerusalem. And now starting to make the decree. This is when he will start to tell people that they must accept his mark. Because that will be the final seal for anyone who takes that mark to have no hope anymore. To be saved. We read that in Revelation chapter 13. You can read it from, you can write it down from verse 13 right through to verse 18. He talks about the mark in verse 18. He says that mark will be the number of man and it is 666. So everyone telling you that that mark is a vaccine or is a 5G are liars. Hallelujah. <laughs> they are liars. By the way, I want to ask the world, where are all those people who told us 5G was causing corona last year? <laughs> Did 5G stop working or corona said, I don't like 5G anymore? <laughs> liars! 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 Looking for crowd. Looking to make a name. Liars! Liars. Sorry, children. But they're liars. They're liars. They're liars. The mark of the beasts will be 666. It will be put on the forehead of people 
and on their right hand, the Bible says in Revelations chapter 13, if you read it from verse 15 to verse 18, it tells you exactly what is going to happen in the three and a half years into the tribulation, exact time when it will happen. Anybody who comes and says your credit card is a mark of the beast, I heard that, sir, when I was a kid. <laughs> they said credit card was a beast name. <laughs> oh, God have mercy. They said the television was the devil's box. And some of our fathers who struggled to buy one carried that big box they had and dumped it in the bin. Then they came to people like my father to come and watch. And my father used to drive them. I said, God, God. If you know you want to watch, you should not have thrown yourself away. <laughs> Your own away. He didn't drive them, of course. But, he, you know, we used to laugh about it. But the reality is that many people did that. And they want, they want to watch Nigeria versus Egypt. And they will crawl to our house in the, in the middle of the afternoon and say, we want to watch the match. Ah, the devil's box, this thing can kill you. <laughs> liars, liars, liars. The mark is 666. It's not going to be put on somebody's back. It's not going to be put on their chin. It's not going to be put anywhere. On the forehead or on the right hand. And it will be a mark called 666. Nothing else. It's not a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. Go and take your vaccine. And let us live healthily. God gave man to produce the wisdom to produce vaccine. They produced it and then you are telling people not to take it. That is the mark of the beast. Liars! Liars. Go and take it and okay, let's carry on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's read our Bible. Laziness of Christians. Somebody will say one thing, they can't even go and check. Something that has already been written 2,000 years. It's there black and white. They can't even go and open scripture to check. Then they start to write things and believe it like that. Now, am I saying that technology will not play a role? Oh, yes, it will. Everything that we are seeing today about the internet and the globalization and virtual reality and augmented reality and all these things that make it easier for us to Zoom and web conference around the world and one person speaks at the, at the, at the Senate in the, in the White House in one second, it reverberates in Australia, in India, everywhere. It is all true that is waiting for the use of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will need such technology to perfect his work in the tribulation. So we have no doubt that this technology is gearing up. But the God who gave the wisdom also knows that before the rapture, we can use the same technology to preach the gospel so that the whole world will be saved. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is why you can hear me today in Nigeria. That is why you can hear me today in Canada. I know you follow in those countries. That's why I'm calling them. That is why you can hear me in the Philippines. Brother Ortega and all the, my brethren who are out there in the Philippines. That's why we can hear each other. I saw you baptizing people live last Sunday. Isn't it a glorious God that we have the opportunity to see these things? A few years ago, we would have had to pay thousands of pounds. To be on satellite, to be able to show one another and encourage one another in this case. But these days, it is so easy. So the technology, yes, will be used ultimately by the Antichrist. We have not even seen the perfected technology yet. It will be so perfect that he, can, he will use some systems to be able to physically walk into spaces. Even though it's all electronic. It will be that perfect. I designed a building in Coventry University, still there today. It's called the Simulation Center. I designed it. I was a structural engineer in the year 2008, 9, and 10. 
That building is to help to simulate construction processes virtually. When we first designed it, all you could see there was just a site. And you see 3D images on a big, big board. Now you can virtually go. When I went into the place and they have fitting the new kit, you can virtually go into a site and almost feel with haptic technology, you can almost feel the material on buildings. You can almost feel it. It is getting that perfect. So let us not delude each other. Yes, the technology is playing up to the use of the Antichrist, but we who are saved must understand that we need to use it very well today. Your social media is not the devil's space. Use it to propagate the gospel. Let it be that you determine that on a daily basis, anyone who visits your page hears one thing about Christ in any way, shape, or form. Even if it's the one you posted last week. Just keep checking it and keep making sure that it's doing that. Don't say, I don't like Facebook, Instagram. No, 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 no. The devil is using it much more. Go there. It's not because you like it, but because people are going to hell. And like you heard the young men say just a few minutes ago, people are young children, 13, 12 now, they opened all those things and look for information. If Christians don't put messages and things there. They will find other rubbish and junk to follow. This is why we have a duty. It's not fun fair. You think I like sitting down on social media? I don't have work to do? <laughs> so you just say this pastor, hey, like Facebook. You think I like Facebook? <laughs> it's not that I like Facebook. But I know that this is a platform whereby thousands and millions of people have a potential. To reach the messages we put on YouTube in 2015, they are still there, even though some of them I wish the pictures were not like what it looked like <laughs> because those days we were really, really thank God for where we were. Hallelujah! It was the days of little beginnings, but the reality is that those messages are still there. Jesus starting to come 30 years, they will still be there. This is the beauty 50 years, they will still be there. Today, we still read from 200 years ago, Charles Spurgeon, listen to his audio text. John Wesley, who still listen to their texts 100 years ago, 80 years ago, because technology allows us to do just that. So the Antichrist will come. Then the second three and a half years is where it will be difficult without that mark to do anything. Revelations chapter 14. I've given you Revelations 13. Revelations 14, 1 to 19. Just giving you the verses. Revelations 14, 1 to 19. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 21, he said, in that tribulation, there will be a great tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the world unto this time, nor shall ever be others. Verse 24 says, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. It will be their last chance to claim as many as they can claim. Those who are beheaded and those who die in the tribulation, not accepting the mark or denying Christ, will still be raptured to Christ at the end of the tribulation, but it will be with pain. It will be with a lot of suffering that they have had to do that. We have the option of not doing, waiting for that to happen today. Let us make sure that we are living our lives today, that all we want to do is to warn people not to miss the rapture. And so after all these seven years, there will be the second coming of Christ. Let's give the Lord a big hand. He will come and fight what the Bible calls the battle of Armageddon. <laughs> the devil will mobilize everyone he has gathered against himself. Satan will be called up and he will call people. The Bible says people will number with him like the sons of the sea. 
You can find all this in Revelations 19 from verse 11 to about verse 19 to 20. He said they will gather to him like the sons of the sea and they will fight because they are waiting to fight because they know that Christ is coming. But at that time, the Bible says he will appear on a glorious horse. He is not coming this time like a baby anymore. <laughs> he is coming like a mighty warrior. And you know who will be by his right hand side? David Oloke is the first one there. Hallelujah. <laughs> because all the raptured saints and everyone that has gone before that time will be with him. We will come back in full robes. We will look exactly like him. You will look at Jesus and look at me and say, what is the difference between these two people? Because I will be exactly like him. You will be exactly like him. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we will come for those saints who managed to make the seven years without denying Christ. We will ask them to join us. We will say, well, don't join us. But I will tell them, I told you that time, don't waste your time. <laughs> don't waste your life. <laughs> Just joking. But we will tell them, join us now. We are about to have the, get the final battle, the showdown to destroy the enemy and cast him forever into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. And when he's destroyed and the war is won, the Bible says for 1,000 years we will rule and Satan will be put right into the pit, the endless pit, the pit that has no end. Hallelujah. The bottomless pit, that's the word. The bottomless pit. All these things I'm telling you, please, I know it takes time to read and at times when you are reading Revelation, you need God to help you. But please read it. Read it, Revelations, the whole book, but these events are clearly itemized in Revelation 6 to Revelation 19. They are very, very well spelled out. And you, if you have a margin Bible, it will refer you to the prophecies of Daniel and the prophecies of Zechariah, where these things have been foretold and how they corroborate each other. Jesus himself spoke the words of Revelation to John the Beloved. I'm sure you know that. So Jesus, this was not one of Paul's writings, even though we refer those as the Holy Ghost text as well. But this was not just one of Peter's writings. This was not, these were the writings of the sayings of Jesus given to a man. Hallelujah. The one who is coming back himself wrote these things to us. Jesus said when he comes, Matthew 24 verse 29. He said immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. And the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall down from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is at the battle of Armageddon. Then verse 30 says, The sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in heaven. Remember he said, just as you saw him taking up in the clouds, you will see him coming, up, coming down again in the clouds. Hallelujah. Verse 30. They will see him coming up on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Hallelujah. The Bible says he will be sat on a white horse, ready to rule with us for 1,000 years in what is called the millennial, what is going to be called the millennial reign, as the Bible orchestrates it. By that time, anybody who has received the mark of the beast will not be, uh, will not be um, raptured like those who have not. Anyone who has denied Christ will stay dead. For the 1,000 years, but after the 1,000 years comes what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. You see that in Revelations chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. And God will at that time be finally separating everyone according to what they have done, good and evil. Good meaning accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Evil mean rejecting his gift and holding on to the end. 
And at that point, every one of us will be eternally separated. That is the end of all events of time. After the 1,000 years, you will live in eternity, either in heaven or in hell. It is a decision to make from now. You don't need to wait. I want to conclude this by saying, what does the church age mean to us then? Because we are living in it right now. 2 Corinthians chapter nine, 5, verse 9. It says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. That's the first thing. Somebody say, I will aim to be well-pleasing unto the Lord. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself away. Let it be a song or let it be a lifestyle. Whatever he says to you to do, just do. Forgive, forgive. Stop having that relationship, stop having that relationship. Step up your prayer life, step up your prayer life. Love some more, show concern some more, give some more. Just go ahead. Whatever he says to you, just be well pleasing to him. These are the marks of the things that we ought to be doing in this our time. So say, I've received Jesus Christ. When he comes, I will just be snapped up. No, there is work for you to do. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are co-laborers with him. Ask yourself, if every Christian lives the way you are living now, is there hope for those who are yet to be saved? If every Christian gives the way you give to support the work of ministry, is there hope for the work to be done effectively? Just be well-pleasing. Verse 10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear. We must all appear. Must. Not, without, not with any doubt. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done. Whether what? Good or whether it is bad. Hallelujah. Every one of us must understand this. Therefore, again, Paul charged Timothy, he said, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge you, 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and, and his kingdom. Verse 2. He said, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. This is what we should be doing today in the church, convincing ourselves. That is why you hear the word of God. At times you hear the same word preached over and over and over again. Some of the scriptures you heard me use today, you have heard it not less than 10, 20 times. Because I must keep convincing you. I must keep convincing you and giving you the tools to convince others. This is the work of the ministry. The Bible says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So I continue to convince where there is a need to rebuke, we rebuke. Where there is a need to exhort and encourage, we exhort. We have to be long-suffering. We have to be long-suffering and we have to be teaching. The church should not be a place of theatrical acts. A place of doing show and entertaining people and just going away feeling fluffy and woofy. A place where we are teaching the word of God. Where people are learning the word of God. That is what the church should be doing at this time. So that when people see falsehood, they can recognize it. Every word that is quoted that appears like the word of the angel of light. When you see it with the right teaching, you are able by the power of the Holy Spirit discern and know whether that is a trap of the enemy to lure you away or not. We should be teaching. He said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. 
Anyone under the sound of my voice should hear this. The Bible has already told us that a time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. So if you are doing a, a work that is involving the release of sound doctrine, be very cautious of the fact that you may not have a large following per se. But it doesn't matter. Stay on course. Because the Bible has already told us that many people will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they just like to hear something good, something that just makes you feel good, feel woofy and fluffy and spiritual. <laughs> you see, that man, I like him, but his word is too hard. That, that's no, <laughs> that is the word that will save. <laughs> his word is too hard. I'm not saying we knock people down, but we cannot compromise the truth. We must keep telling everyone. The Bible says that many people will, according to their itching ears, and heap unto themselves teachers. They will be preferring that they hear from people they want to hear from. This is the sign of the end time. Verse 4 says, they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Very sad occurrence in our times where many people have a larger following into fables. In my home country, comedians have more following than preachers. I'm sorry, I have to talk about Nigeria because that's the country I came from, so I'm very sentimental to the country, but I'm sure this happens everywhere in the world. Comedians who just make people laugh. Sometimes, yeah, nothing, nothing cynical with what they do, but many times vile things that they do. They have one million people following them. The biggest of our preachers will have hundreds of thousands at a time. People just want fables. People want fables. If you want people to, to follow something you put on social media, put something on serious. They will flock there like, like bees. Put something serious that will save their lives. They'll walk away. One day I was here on our praise night and I was jumping up here, dancing with the children here, last praise night. And I think it was Sister Ifoma that recorded it and sent it to me. I was traveling to London with my son, I think. He was driving, so I, I posted it on social media and said, it's good to praise God. Just something casual. In under one hour, I saw more than 200 people were there. I said, ah, when I put message there, I don't see 10 in one hour. <laughs> so I said to the person, I don't know whether it's Toby that was driving with me. I said to the person driving me, I said, I think I now know what to do. I'll be jumping and singing and, and preaching at the same time. <laughs> so at least if they like the jumping, <laughs> they will come and hear the message. <laughs> put something, I was just jumping and celebrating God. Within one hour, more than 200 people were there. Ah, hey! <laughs> Later, I went over 1,000. Uh -huh. <laughs> None of my messages, I don't think, has ever reached 1,000. <laughs> but I know, like I told you two weeks ago, that they go there. It's just that they don't touch it. <laughs> they don't touch it. They are Nicodemuses about those things. Let us be serious, friends. Life is passing by. He said, be watchful in all those things. Verse 5. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Every one of us has a ministry. We must be able to look back at some point and say, Lord, I thank you for helping me to fulfill my ministry. I'm going to have to read to you the last things that Jesus said to John before he left him on that great island of Patmos. In verse 20, chapter 22, verse 7. I know I've taken time today, but this is probably the most important message that Christians should ever hear in their lives. We have a lot of believers today that don't even know anything about the second coming. 
They don't even know anything about the second coming of Christ. That is not proper. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. I am coming quickly. And what he said in verse 11 is a bit scary, but it's for us to learn. Let's read verse 11 together. Revelations 22, verse 11, not 8, verse 11. Let's go together now, everybody. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. It simply means whatever you choose to be, continue being it. But... He also said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He doesn't want you to remain unjust or filthy. He wants you to be righteous. And I've told you the difference between righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is a state that you become when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But holiness is what you continue to become. You keep being perfected in holiness. The Bible says we are perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You can be holier today than you were yesterday, even though you are the righteous. You can be holier tomorrow than you are today. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so whatever your stage is today, my charge to you as you have heard this word, is say, he who is holy, let him be holy still. He who is righteous, don't become apostate. Don't ever let it, let it cross your mind that you want to deny the great grace that he has given to you. And if you are righteous, continue to strive for holiness. Don't let any new modern age thinking take you out of the journey of holiness. Keep perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Don't ever say, I got discouraged because somebody treated me in any way, shape or form. You are going to be accountable for your actions. I will be accountable for mine. I pray today that God will strengthen every one of us. As we live this eternal life, every one of us, by the special grace of God, when he appears the first time in the clouds, we will be caught up with him. Amen. I say we will be caught up with him. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Rise to your feet and let us thank him because he's coming back for us. Well, well, well.